Sermon 12, Part 4, and Fragments from Sermon 21, Commentary on the Gospel of Luke, Sermons 12 through 25, by Cyril of Alexandria, translated by R. Payne Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 5. 17. And he himself was teaching, and the Pharisees were sitting. Around him verily was a company of the envious, scribes, that is, and Pharisees, who were spectators of his wonderful works, and listened as he taught. And the power of God was present, it says, to heal him. Is this spoken as though God gave him the ability to perform the miracles? Did he borrow of another the power? But who would venture to affirm this? Rather it was he himself, working by his own power, as God and Lord, and not as partaker of some divine grace. For men indeed often, even after being counted worthy of spiritual gifts, yet sometimes occasionally prove infirm, according to the proportion known to him who distributes these divine graces. But in the case of the Saviour of us all, there was not such as this. But his power to heal him was not a human power, but rather one divine and irresistible, for he was God and the Son of God. Christ alone teaches as being the true teacher, and the wisdom of the Father, for all the rest teach as receiving from him. And there was also, it says, the power of the Lord upon him to heal all, which means that his power to heal was not human, but divine and irresistible. For the rest of the saints at one time received the power to work cures, and at another time not. But Jesus, as being God, and the power of the Father, ever healed all. 5.18. And behold, certain bringing on a bed, a man who was a paralytic. When then no small number, as it says, of scribes and Pharisees were assembled together, behold, certain bringing upon a bed a man who was paralytic, and not being able to come in by the door, they carried him up to the roof, to attempt a strange and novel deed. For having pulled up the tiling, they removed the wood laid there, and still, while this was being done, both Jesus waited patiently, and those who were present kept silence, watching for the result, and wishing to see what he would say and do. Having uncovered, therefore, the roof, they let down the bed, and lay the paralytic in the midst. What then does the Lord do? Having seen their faith, not that of the paralytic, but of the bearers, for it is possible for one to be healed by the faith of others, or, perceiving that the paralytic also believed, he healed him. It is possible, however, that the place into which they let down the bed of the paralytic through the tiles was open to the air, so that they would not have at all to break up the roof. But when the Saviour says to him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee, he addresses this generally to mankind. 
for those who believe in him being healed of the diseases of the soul will receive forgiveness of the sins which formerly they had committed or he may mean this i must heal thy soul before i heal thy body for if this be not done by obtaining strength to walk thou dost but sin the more and even though thou hast not asked for this yet i as god see the maladies of the soul which brought upon thee this disease and as it was necessary now that so large a number of scribes and pharisees had assembled that some especially divine miracle should be wrought for their benefit because of the scorn with which they regarded him well does the saviour provide again for them a most wonderful deed for there was stretched upon a bed a paralytic overcome with an incurable disease and as the art of the physicians had proved altogether unavailing he was carried by his relatives to the physician who is from above even from heaven and when he was in the presence of him who is able to heal his faith was accepted and that faith can take away sin christ immediately shows for he proclaims to him as he lay there thy sins are forgiven thee now some one i imagine may say to this what he wanted was to be delivered from his disease and why then does christ announce to him the forgiveness of his sin it was that thou mayest learn that god silently and noiselessly observes the affairs of men and watches the course of each one's life and so it is written the paths of a man are before the eyes of god and he looks at all his tracks and as he is good and willeth that all men should be saved he often purifies those who are entangled in sins by inflicting sickness upon their body for so he somewhere says by the voice of jeremiah thou shalt be taught o jerusalem by labour and the scourge and the writer of the book of proverbs also has somewhere said my son despise not thou the teaching of the lord nor faint when thou art convicted by him for whom the lord loveth he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he accepteth well therefore does christ denounce that he will cut away the cause of the disease and the very root as it were of the malady even sin for if this be removed necessarily must the disease which sprung from it be also at the same time taken away five twenty one and the scribes and pharisees began to reason saying he then as was said being endowed with a most godlike authority declared the forgiveness of sins but the declaration disturbs again the ignorant and envious gang of the pharisees for they said one to another who is this that speaketh blasphemies but that wouldst not have said this of him o pharisee if thou hadst known the divine scriptures and borne in mind the words of prophecy and understood the adorable and mighty mystery of the incarnation
but now they involve him in a charge of blasphemy determining against him the uttermost penalty and condemning him to death for the law of moses commanded that whoever spake blasphemies against god should suffer death but no sooner have they arrived at this height of daring than he shows forthwith that he is god to convict them once more of intolerable impiety for what saith he reason ye in your hearts if thou therefore o pharisee sayest who can forgive sins but one god i will also say to thee who can know hearts and see the thoughts hidden in the depth of the understanding but god only for he saith himself somewhere by the voice of the prophets i am the lord that searcheth hearts and trieth reins and david also said somewhere concerning both him and us he who singly formed their hearts he therefore who as god knows both the hearts and reins as god also forgives sins five twenty four but that ye may know that the son of man hath power but inasmuch as a place still remains open for disbelief in saying thy sins be forgiven thee for man sees not the forgiven sins with the eyes of the body whereas the putting off of the disease and the paralytic's rising up and walking carries with it a clear demonstration of a godlike power he adds rise up and carry thy bed and go to thine house and this was done for he returned unto his house delivered from the infirmity under which he had so long suffered it is proved therefore by the very fact that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins but of whom says he this is it of himself or also of us both the one and the other are true for he forgives sins as being the incarnate god the lord of the law and we too have received from him this splendid and most admirable grace for he hath crowned man's nature with this great honour also having even said to the holy apostles verily i say unto you whatsoever things ye bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever things ye loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven and again whosesoever sins ye remit they shall be remitted unto them and whosoever ye bind shall be bound and what is the occasion on which we find him thus speaking unto them it was after he had trampled upon the power of death and risen from the grave when he breathed upon them and said receive the holy ghost for having made them partakers of his nature and bestowed upon them the indwelling of the holy ghost he also made them sharers of his glory by giving them power both to remit and to bind sins and as we have been commanded to perform this very act how must not he much more himself remit sins 
when he giveth unto others authority to enable them to do so. 5.27 And he saw a publican named Levi. For Levi was a publican, a man insatiable after filthy lucre, of unbridled covetousness, careless of justice in his eagerness after what was not his own. For such was the character of the publicans. Yet was he snatched from the very workshop of iniquity, and saved beyond hope, at the call of Christ the Saviour of us all. For he said unto him, Follow me, and he left all and followed him. Seest thou that most wise Paul truly says that Christ came to save sinners? Seest thou how the only begotten word of God, having taken upon him the flesh, transferred unto himself the devil's goods? From Sermon 21 Explanation of What Follows From the Syriac or how can a man enter the house of the strong man and spoil his vessels unless first he have bound the strong man and then he will spoil his vessels by the house of the strong man that is of satan he means this country upon earth and his vessels are those who are like-minded with him for just as we call the saints holy vessels so there is nothing to prevent our giving the name of vessels of the devil to those who are the contrivers of all wickedness the only begotten word therefore of god at his incarnation entered into the strong man's house even into this world and having bound him and sunk him in fetters of darkness as it is written spoiled his goods and levi verily was saved while in us the deed suggests happy hopes for by the very fact we are taught that repentance will save yea moreover god himself who is lord of all shall be our surety where he says by the voice of the prophet return unto me and be ye saved even from the ends of the earth from the same sermon explanation of what follows from the syriac as above which of you that has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them will not leave the ninety-nine in the mountain and go and seek that which has gone astray and if he chance to find it verily i say unto you that he rejoices more in it than in the ninety-nine which went not astray for the multitude of rational created beings which form Christ's flock in heaven and on earth is innumerable, and so great as even to mount up unto a perfect number. For this is what is signified to us by the term one hundred. The companies, then, of the holy angels are the ninety-nine, for, as I said, they are many. But the flock on earth is one, but yet useful to complete the number and sought for also by christ did he then seek it as that which was lost or as that which had not yet suffered this but it is plain that that which is lost is sought for in what manner then had it been lost 
by being brought down into sin, by wandering from the divine will, and going far astray from the universal shepherd. But none of these things moved the Pharisees. On the contrary, they find fault with them to the disciples. For listen. 5.30 And their scribes and Pharisees murmured, saying unto his disciples, there are, however, some who endeavor to deprive those entangled in sin of the divine gentleness, for they do not admit of repentance, but as it were rebuke the Saviour for seeking his own, and gathering from every quarter that which was scattered. And to these we say, The Pharisees set you the example of murmuring, when they saw Levi called, and a crowd of publicans gathered together, and feasting with Christ the Saviour of us all. And going up to the holy apostles, they vented their blame, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with the publicans? But they had for answer, They that are whole need not a physician. For the Saviour of all, as being the physician of spirits, does not withdraw from those in need of him, but as being able to cleanse them, purposely conversed with those not as yet purified of their sins. But let us see, O Pharisee, the overweening pride of thy disposition. For let us take Christ himself, to whom all things are known, as the expounder of the great blame that thou broughtest upon thyself by thy overbearing treatment of sinners. For speaking of a Pharisee who vaunted himself when praying, and of a certain publican who accused himself, he said, Verily I say unto you, that he went down justified to his house rather than that Pharisee. The publican, therefore, who confessed his sin, is justified rather than the haughty Pharisee. But for what reason do the Pharisees blame the Saviour for eating with sinners? Because it was the law to put a distinction between the holy and the profane. That is, that whatever was hallowed was not to be brought into contact with things profane. They made the accusation, therefore, as vindicating the law forsooth, but really it was envy against the Lord, and readiness to find fault. But he shows them that he is present now, not as a judge, but as a physician, and performs the proper duty of the physician's office, in being in the company of those in need of healing. But no sooner had they received an explanation of their first accusation than they bring forward another, finding fault because his disciples did not fast, wishing to obtain hereby an opportunity against himself. But observe their perseverance and malice, for no sooner have they received an explanation of their first accusation than they change from one thing to another in the hope of finding an opportunity of convicting the holy disciples, and Jesus himself, of disregard of the law. But they are told in reply, Now is the bride chamber, the time of calling, the time of instruction. The children are being nursed up. Those who are called are being fed with milk. Fasting is not yet seasonable. 
For yes, say they, you feast with publicans and sinners, although the law commands that the pure should not hold intercourse with the impure. And your pretext for transgressing the law is your love for mankind. But why fast ye not according to the custom of the just, and those who wish to live according to the law? But in answer to such objections one may say, do you understand it all yourself, O Jew, the proper method of fasting? For as the prophet Isaiah says, On the days of your fast ye find your own wills, and goad all who are subject unto you. If ye fast for lawsuits and contentions, and strike the lowly with fists, why fast ye for me? This is not the fast I have chosen, saith the Lord. And dost thou then, when thou thyself knowest not how to fast, blame the holy apostles for not fasting after thy fashion? And to view it in another light, those who are made wise by the new covenant in Christ fast rationally, that is, by humbling themselves in the eyes of God, and imposing upon themselves, as it were, a voluntary sentence of labor and abstinence, that they may obtain forgiveness of their offenses, or win some fresh spiritual gift, or even to mortify the law of sin that is in their fleshly members. But this mode of fasting thou art ignorant of, O Pharisee, for thou hast refused to receive the heavenly bridegroom, who is the planter and teacher of every virtue, even Christ. Moreover, the saints indeed fast that they may quell the passions of the body by exhausting it. But Christ needed not to fast for the perfecting of virtue, because, as being God, he was free from all passion. Nor did his companions, because they received of his grace and were made strong, and wrought virtue even without fasting. And even though he fasted for the forty days, it was not to mortify any passions in himself, but to set an example for men in his own conduct of the law of abstinence. With good reason, therefore, he defends himself by the words which the evangelist goes on to record. 5.34 But he said unto them, can ye make the sons of the bride-chamber fast, while the bridegroom is with them? Observe, I pray again, the manner in which Christ shows that they have no share in the feast, but are altogether strangers to the joy felt on his account, and without part in the world's great festival. For the revelation of our Saviour to the world was nothing else than a general festival, at which he spiritually united to himself the nature of man to be as it were his bride that she who had been long barren might be fruitful and blessed with a numerous offspring all therefore are the children of the bride-chamber who are called by him through the new message of the gospel but not the scribes and pharisees who attach themselves solely to the shadow of the law but as he had once granted permission to the children of the bride-chamber not to afflict themselves, as a concession suitable to the season, 
inasmuch as they were keeping a spiritual feast that fasting might not be entirely rejected by us he adds most suitably five thirty five but the days will come when also the bridegroom shall be taken away from them then shall they fast in those days for all things are good in their season but what is the meaning of the bridegroom being taken away from them it is his being taken up into heaven five thirty six and he spake also a parable unto them but that the institutions of christ cannot be received by those who live according to the law nor admitted into the hearts of such as have not as yet received the renewing by the holy ghost the lord shows by saying that a tattered patch cannot be put upon a new garment nor can old skins hold new wine for the first covenant has grown old nor was it free from fault those therefore who adhere to it and keep at heart the antiquated commandment have no share in the new order of things in christ for in him all things are become new but their mind being decayed they have no concord nor point of mutual agreement with the ministers of the new covenant the god of all accordingly somewhere said of them by one of the holy prophets that a new heart and a new spirit will i put into them and david also sings create in me a clean heart o god and renew a right spirit within me and we have been commanded also to put off the old man and to put on the new man renewed after the image of him that created it and paul also gives counsel saying be ye not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of god those therefore who have not as yet received the renewing of the spirit are also unable to prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of god End of Fragments from Sermon 21